Another year of discovery. You're listening to Are We There Yet? The radio show exploring space exploration. Hi, I'm Brendan Byrne. It was a very busy year for space exploration. In 2021, we saw the arrival of three missions to Mars, multiple human launches from suborbital space flights to commercial NASA missions, two missions to asteroids, and a massive space telescope took flight. And there's no signs of slowing down in 2022. From moon missions to a busy launch schedule, there's a lot to look forward to when it comes to space exploration. To talk about the exciting science of 2021 and the year ahead, we'll speak with our panel of physicists from the University of Central Florida, Josh Caldwell, Addie Dove, and Jim Cooney, about the flagship missions of last year like NASA's Perseverance rover and the launch of the James Webb Space Telescope. We'll also look ahead at the cool and interesting things happening next year. Then we'll check in with a panel of space journalists. Fox Weather's Emily Speck and Florida Today's Emery Kelly recount a very busy year from Florida Space Coast and the push to have another record year of launches from Florida. That's ahead on Are We There Yet? here on WMFE, America's Space Station. A trio of missions arrived at the Red Planet, kicking off an exciting year for space science, and it never seemed to slow down. I invited our frequent guests, Addie Dove, Jim Cooney, and Josh Caldwell, to join the show to recap these exciting missions and preview what's to come in what's shaping up to be a very busy 2022. Dove, Cooney, and Caldwell are physicists at the University of Central Florida, and they host the podcast Walk About the Galaxy. Addie Dove kicks off our conversation. One of the things that I always have trouble doing when I do these year in review things is like, remember what happened this year versus other years. <laughs> um, but I think I think for this year, I was looking back and I remembered that it actually started off pretty, pretty much with a bang because in, in February of 2021 was when all the, re- the excitement happened around all the different missions going to Mars. So like Perseverance is the one we think about a lot because mm-hmm. there's been all the exciting action with Percy and Ingenuity since it landed. Um, but there were the three different missions that all went at the same time. Um, and the, the Hope mission from the UAE has been returning some interesting results and the, and the Chinese mission has been as well. And we obviously see a little bit less of that, but it's been exciting to follow along with all three mm-hmm. of those missions at Mars. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, the, the Hope mission was the one that got there first, right? So we got these incredible kind of orbital images uh, of Mars, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm trying. I'm just trying to remember the exact order, <laughs> but yeah. So Hope had so Hope is just an orbital mission, and it has all these really cool images of the spacecraft entering orbit, and of like the limb of Mars, and and lots of really cool orbital images that they've been releasing. Mm-hmm. And and following the Ingenuity helicopter has been quite fun as well, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's 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 very representative of a lot of the way that um, sort of NASA missions. Uh, tend to work these days, which is that you have some sort of like technology demonstration or you have this sort of nominal tiny little mission or short mission, right? And then you have like perseverance or uh, spirit and opportunity that lasted for more than 10 years, right? A lot of our missions sort of tend to, we plan them to just be a short timeline, but they actually keep going. And Ingenuity has been a cool example of like a technology demonstration thing where it was just going to be like, can we do this? And now it's, now they're doing some cool Mm -hmm. science and they just keep keep doing flights with it. Mm-hmm. Jim Cooney, what's, uh, what's excited you about 2021? 
Well, I share uh, Addie's lack of a good understanding, temporal understanding of what has happened recently. Uh, I was going to pick uh, the, the, the really exciting um, collection of material from Bennu from the Osiris-Rex mission, but apparently that was not 2021, but late 2020 when they did that. Was it really? Uh, was it, it was October 2020. Oh, I no. almost said that one too. <laughs> I really thought that was much more recent, so I was super excited. Now, they did. They, you know, in, in the time since then, they've kind of, gotten all the stuff packed away and left uh, Bennu and are heading back to Earth. So I'm going to, a lot of stuff was happening with that in 2021, so I'm counting it. Uh, unfortunately, it won't get back to Earth until 2023. It's kind of taking a, uh, a crazy route around the solar system to get back to us. And so we'll, uh, that's not even for next year that we get to see what we actually have. But uh, we have gotten an opportunity to study some of the stuff from uh, the other mission to an asteroid to, as, what was the name of the other asteroid? Name of the other Hayabusa asteroid. 2. Right, that's the mission to asteroid Ryugu. Uh, and so the, the, that was the Japanese space agency, which collected some stuff, uh, returned it to Earth, and then has shared some of it with, uh, with us here in the U.S. And so uh, asteroid return stuff, even though nothing ultra significant happened in 2021, it does bracket 2021. Uh, very nicely. So I thought that was pretty cool. It counts. Their time time was distorted uh, last year. So I'll 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 let that slide, uh, yeah, yeah. Jim. So the science papers that have come out, they've had some initial science papers from the um, Osiris Rex touchdown, and then also the the Hayabusa sample return. I think did happen this year. So there we go. So that counts. That counts. So we've got uh, we've got Mars missions. We've got asteroid missions. Uh, Josh. What were you super excited about uh, from 2021? Well, unlike my colleagues, I'm keenly aware of what did and didn't happen in 2021. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I'll just toss in another um, asteroid mission in the bunch, which is the launch of the Lucy mission, uh, which oh, yeah. is going to be the first spacecraft to explore the Trojan asteroids sharing Jupiter's orbit, which occurred uh, this fall. But don't make fun of me for what I'm going to say is uh, one of the most exciting things I thought in 2021 which was William Shatner meeting the moment of going into space and not turning it into some silly joke, but actually uh, really recognizing and expressing the profound impact of seeing firsthand just how thin and fragile and tenuous the atmosphere is and what a narrow tiny little ecosystem that we inhabit here on the surface of the earth. Um, and I think that uh, people lots of times about go to space, oh, you'll be weightless. Weightless is fun. Addie and I have done it on the airplane a bunch, and it's fun for sure. And you're weightless longer on those suborbital flights. But the real effect that I think that everybody needs to have, and I would like to see Jeff Bezos take, you know, Mitch McConnell, and uh, and uh, mansion up there, some uh, politicians from uh, coal burning uh, states to really understand viscerally just how thin our ecosystem is. And what happens in that flight is in a couple minutes, you're in space. It is not that far away. You know, it's, you drive from Orlando to Tampa. If you do that drive straight up, you're in space. So it's really, really a thin um, layer. And I think that that's something that uh, was important to recognize, and I hope that with the um, now we're finally seeing the expansion of these commercial suborbital flights and orbital flights with more and more people going into space, that that's going to really hopefully begin to uh, raise the general public awareness about the Earth as an ecosystem. Yeah, that was 
one of my that one of my other big things for this year just has been that sort of the the on the start of commercial or um, paying space tourists uh, commercial space people private citizens that are going into space both on these suborbital flights but also now on orbital flights um, so it's pretty it's pre- it's been pretty exciting to sort of finally see that come to start and and really sort of take off no pun intended <laughs> well, well speaking of taking off let, let's look uh, forward at 2022. Um, what is, what is exciting, uh, for, for you all? I think I know the answer to this. I think I know <laughs> there might be a unanimous, uh, uh, answer here. Uh, what are we all excited about? So, so I think the one that we're probably all most uh, excited, well, I say at least Josh and I, maybe okay. Addy, uh, <laughs> is the James Webb Space Telescope. So, uh, I think at the time this, uh, this episode airs, it hopefully will have launched successfully from French Guiana, and we'll be up there headed towards its uh, permanent home in one of the Lagrange points uh, around the the Earth-Sun orbit. In any event, uh, science, it should take about six months, I think, six or seven months uh, for science uh, to begin. You know, they have to check all the instruments, turn them all on, and make sure everything works, and all that kind of business course has to get there and then do all of that. So that's about six or seven months. And so in middle or late 2022, uh, science efforts should begin. And we already know basically what's uh, what, what kind of science we're going to be doing because they have already awarded the time on the telescope and so forth. But it's a huge number of interesting and varied and different things. I think the stuff that I'm personally most interested in being somebody who does uh, cosmology is looking at uh, the very first galaxies that formed in the universe and uh, figuring out kind of when that happened and how that happened. Uh, this telescope is going to be is, is perfectly designed to be able to see that stuff because it sees in the infrared part of the spectrum, which is a little bit longer wavelength than visible, which is where most of the light coming to us from those galaxies is. So we can see the birth of stuff, the stuff that the universe is made of uh, in the very, very early universe, with that, which I think is awesome. But a whole bunch of other stuff as well. And maybe Josh has some uh, some other stuff he's fascinated with. Yeah, well, um, with that infrared telescope, we'll be able to see... Um, with that huge mirror that it's got, um, the uh, light emitted by uh, relatively cool objects, non-stellar objects, uh, including very distant planetary objects in our own solar system, but also uh, looking at extra extrasolar planets uh, or exoplanets and the disks in which those planets form. And we've already been able to start in the last several years see some remarkable resolved images of the the sort of birthing grounds of planets around other stars and JWST is really going to advance that not just with looking at the planet formation but with a- enabling us to characterize planets that we have seen around other stars much better and it's um, I think it's a big step forward towards being able to identify an exoplanet that is truly habitable and possibly habited, uh, you know, a, a planet that may have biological activity going uh, on based on uh, spectral analyses of the atmospheres of those planets. I don't know if JWST is going to do that, but it's certainly going to get us a lot closer uh, to it than, than where we are now. So I'm, I'm very excited to, to see what it's going to show us, not just in our own solar system, in the outer reaches of our solar system, uh, with this whole realm beyond uh, the orbit of uh, orbits of our main planets, uh, all the objects out there, which will help us understand the history of the solar system, but 
really starting to turn these these exoplanets into knowable worlds. Mm-hmm. Addy, you are not on Team JWST here on this panel here. What, what are you most excited about for 2022? I'm calling you out. <laughs> well, I am very excited for JWST, and it's been a long time coming, so it's also it's, it's very exciting for that reason. But another thing that's been a long time coming is return to the moon um, and lunar missions. Mm-hmm. And so I'm super excited about the Artemis 1 launch, which is supposed to happen in 2022. And not only is it going to be a demonstration for crewed missions, but also it has a bunch of um, small satellites it's taking along with it to do um, like a bunch of different science investigations. So there's the Luna map, there's Lunar Ice Cube, there's a ton of little like CubeSat sized spacecraft that are going along with that mission. Um, NEA Scout, uh, an asteroid mission. Um, and then of like following along that, the Clips landers, the commercial lunar payload landers are going to start landing hopefully maybe in 2022. Um, so I'm, uh, cautiously optimistic about those missions starting up as Mm -hmm. well. Uh, so lots, uh, at home and throughout the universe. Um, what about for the podcast? Anything exciting coming up for walk about the galaxy in 2022? Oh, so many things. So, uh, we're going to have a new music video coming in 2022. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we've, um, we're going to have, uh, an exciting array of guests on the show as well. And we'd love to have you back on again too, Brendan. Anytime, you know, I'd be more than happy to come on and pretend like I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Pretend along with us. So we've been speaking with Jim Cooney, Addie Dove, and Josh Caldwell. They're physicists at the University of Central Florida and also host the podcast, Walk About the Galaxy. Thank you all for being here and Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Thanks. Year. Happy Thank New Year. Be sure to subscribe to their podcast, Walk About the Galaxy. It's on all the major podcast platforms, or you can visit walkaboutthegalaxy.com. Next week, we'll chat with another podcaster, Jake Robbins, the host of We Martians, for a deeper dive into the findings of NASA's Perseverance rover and what's ahead for the exploration of the Red Planet in 2022. But just ahead, a conversation with space journalist Emily Speck and Emery Kelly about the busy launch year that saw humans and robots leave this planet and what's ahead for what could be another record-breaking year in 2022. That's ahead on Are We There Yet? here on WMFE, America's Space Station. You're listening to Are We There Yet? here on WMFE, America's Space Station. I'm Brendan Byrne. It was a very busy year for our next two guests. Space journalist Emery Kelly and Emily Speck reported on a bunch of launches from Florida's Space Coast last year, including human missions from NASA's commercial crew program and a SpaceX-led all-civilian mission. Well, joining us is Emery Kelly. He's a reporter at Florida Today. Emery, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And Emily Speck is with Fox Weather. Emily, thanks again for coming back. Anytime. So, Emery, I want to start with you. It was a very busy year for launches. I feel like uh, every time I saw you on Twitter, you were out at Kennedy Space Center covering a launch. <laughs> uh, what were some of the big highlights this year for you? Yeah, this this year was was pretty wild, wasn't it? Uh, we, we obviously saw multiple crewed launches this year, everything from 
the usual slate of, and it's kind of hard to believe we're saying usual slate of crude launches when in 2020, you know, is when it kind of all got started again. But, you know, we had multiple crude missions for NASA. Of course, we saw the huge Inspiration4 launch with the uh, all-civilian crew as well. So it just sort of almost seems like 2021 was, in a way, the year of the year of the crew. Mm-hmm. Emily Speck, would you agree with that assessment? This is the year of the crew? Absolutely. I would say it's the year of the crew and the year of asteroids. Seems like we had, you know, between the last two years, we've had a lot of asteroid missions launching. There's been a lot of cool science there. But yes, seeing, you know, Americans almost regularly launching from Kennedy Space Center has just been, it's been outstanding. So... We've also had them returning here uh, right off the coast of Florida, right, Emily? Yeah, and that's been, you know, an unusual thing. We haven't had splashdowns like that in, since the Apollo era, right? So, we've, you know, as reporters, we've kind of had to learn to cover a new thing, which was exciting. Um, and, you know, for me at Fox Weather, our big angle is obviously weather and space. So lately, it's been fun to kind of talk about some of the forecasting with how they pick the landing zones, which get narrowed down from seven to like two and it's all across Florida. So it's a, it's a pretty wild ride. Uh, Emery, talk a little bit more about some of the other launches um, that you have covered from the space coast that didn't have humans on board. There were quite a few commercial launches uh, in 2021 and, and quite a few scientific missions, right? Yeah. Like, like Emily had just mentioned, you know, we saw the, the Lucy launch, the probe going out to the asteroids of Jupiter that one was was fascinating. You know, we've also have, if anything, you know, 2020 and 2021 also show how the Starlink internet constellation is, in a way, maybe even making up. I mean, it's really pushing the launch cadence in, in, a, in a big way. And for those couple of months when we didn't have any Starlink launches, it felt a little quiet out there. So... Uh, you know, with with those returning, and, and that was partly due to the chip shortage and the liquid oxygen shortage, you know, that was going to hospitals for coronavirus patients. But, you know, things are kind of back up and running again. And I, the way it looks for 22 is probably going to be a majority of Starlink missions, if not at least half, kind of like 21. Mm-hmm. Emily, you you mentioned uh, this was also the year of the asteroids. Uh, let's let's talk a, a bit about some of those scientific missions that launched this year. There was Lucy and there was Dart. Um, how are these two missions different, and and what are they what are they doing out there? Well, so you know, Lucy is going to go study some asteroids, right? <clears throat> but Dart was a totally different mission in that it's a planetary defense mission, which is pretty cool. It actually is designed to go crash into an asteroid. And the spacecraft, the most important part of it is its mass because it's going to try and change that kinetic energy just a little bit and see if this smaller asteroid orbiting a bigger asteroid can kind of change its direction just a little bit. And this is a game plan to possibly one day, if we need to, uh, redirect an asteroid that's headed towards Earth. So they're very different missions. You know, one has long term. It's it's kind of weird that DART is such a short mission. It's like basically under, I think, around a, it's un, like half a year because by the time it gets there, it narrows in on its target and crashes and, and then that's that. But so that's pretty neat to see. Uh, another story that caught my eye this year was from you, Emery. Um, you did some reporting into uh, 
issues within the space community, sexism and harassment. Um, we've seen additional allegations come out uh, from uh, employees at SpaceX or, or an employee at SpaceX. But tell me a little bit about what you learned reporting out the story uh, back in October. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an issue that's absolutely pervasive across multiple industries. And sort of what makes sexual harassment and sexism related issues in space, uh, I'm not going to say worse or anything like that, but a little bit more, at least relatable for folks like us, right, who, who kind of work with these people every day, is a lot of the times the mission is something that's really taken to heart, right? You want to see your probe launch to to the asteroids of Jupiter or what well, you know yeah, space, SpaceX is all about colonizing Mars and and the moon. So there are just a lot of situations where women have come forward you know alleging whether it was pay discrimination or performance related discrimination or just straight out sexual harassment. Um, and also that was also in the press corps as well. Um, and really just wanted to get their stories heard and get some kind of accountability or changes to rules or anything like that. And there are dozens, I, I I'm sure at this point there are hundreds of stories related to related to these issues. So there is that not only do they exist, but there's also that psychological layer that perhaps there's a chance more people are willing to put up with it and be quiet about it because they believe in the mission so much and it space becomes so much of someone's identity that it, they find it hard to, to leave, you know, or, or to cause, to make waves, if you will. And that's, that's understandable, but uh, the issues absolutely are pervasive. Mm-hmm. Emily, do you, do you see that changing um, going into 2022 as, as more of these, um, these people share their stories and and raise these concerns, and they become more and more known to to folks out there. Um, I certainly hope that it changes. I really do. But I think over the past you know two or three years, it's it's kind of like for the people who knew that this was always happening because you either lived it, experienced it, and it was just part of your life, and you just learned how to deal with it. Now people are talking about it, you know. And that's important. That's why Emery's reporting is, is important. We've had a couple articles recently that have come out about SpaceX and Blue Origin. And the more stories that are told, I think that will help. Um, you know, I think that the change really needs to start from the top and come on the way down because, you know, in, until it does, you know, if you if your top leadership can come out and say, this is wrong, we're going to do something about it, and also condemn the behavior maybe that they see online in response to women, especially women in STEM, or even female journalists, for that matter. I think that would that would surely help. It would. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking ahead, Emery, you, you kind of foreshadowed this um, earlier in your response, but uh, it's going to be a very, very busy year for uh, for you and, uh, <laughs> and the launch pads at... Uh, Kennedy Space Center and Cape Canaveral. Uh, what's on the horizon this year? I mean, how many launches are we expecting? And, and are there any particularly exciting missions uh, you're looking forward to? Yeah, we, we still haven't really hit that magic number of wanting to make 50 launches happen. That's, of course, still uh, that would have possibly been the case this year had it not been for 
supply chain issues and, and the coronavirus uh, liquid oxygen shortage. But next year, there's, I would imagine, but the way things are looking right now, we're looking at probably more than 35 or 40 launches. And really, the big one, of course, and I think all of us in this room are, are probably a little excited for it, despite the fact that we've been waiting for, I don't know, a third of our lives is, uh, is SLS, uh, which is you know, currently, I believe early to mid February, but obviously that could that could push to late February or, or March with the way things are looking. So the space launch system, just a huge, you know, orange candle flying through the skies is, is going to be crazy. A third of our lives, man. When you put it that way, Emery. <laughs> <laughs> we sound so young. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Emily, what about you? I mean, what is ahead for uh, for Artemis 1 and SLS? What's to look forward to? Emery said there's going to be launch possibly February, but um, there, there's some more exciting things happening before that, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, he his point about getting this rocket off the ground, that is going to be... That is going to be amazing. It's, you know, to see it launch from the Space Coast is going to be very exciting. You know, the first mission, we've got Artemis 1. There's no people on board of that, obviously, for good reason. Um, but, you know, uh, that's going to launch Orion around the moon and hopefully return back. And it's going to be it's going to be exciting. But, yeah, there are a lot of milestones ahead, you know, before they can before they can get this, you know, candle lit, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and, and finally, Emery, uh, or I'll ask you both this, um, what other stories are you looking forward to in 2022 um, or some, some story themes that you'll be reporting out? Um, and I promise not to steal any of your story ideas. <laughs> Emery, you can go first. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, the, I think the first one obviously is maybe an offshoot of what we just talked about with SLS, but it's going to be interesting to see what the crowds are like right now. Uh, Kennedy Space Center and and NASA officials are expecting about 10,000 VIPs and their guests. And that's just VIPs and guests. Uh, Wow. In terms of, yeah, you know, and it kind of makes you wonder will we ever go back to the days of almost a million people traveling to the Space Coast to see a space shuttle launch? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, But either way, it'll be. It'll be fascinating to kind of see that that local impact, whether it's economic or traffic or any of it. And Emily, you what, what are you keeping your eye on in 2022? That's such a good point that Emory made about people coming to the Space Coast. I wonder if it will bounce back because with between, you know, all the, the major space players, right, they have these great live streams for the most part, like SpaceX. They, you know, they could be their own TV channel at this point. Um, so there are a lot of ways to follow along that there weren't for the shuttle program. So I am kind of curious about that. Well, I'm most looking forward to seeing you two out at the press site for all of these launches. So we've been speaking with Emily Speck. She covers space for Fox Weather. Emily, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. And Emery Kelly is a reporter at Florida Today. Emery, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. Be sure to subscribe to our show's podcast feed. You can get on NPR One, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, or visit wmfe.org slash are we there yet. Are We There Yet is a production of WMFE, America's Space Station. Editorial guidance this week from LaToya Dennis. Support for Are We There Yet comes from our listeners, and until next week, I'm Brendan Byrne. Thanks for listening.